Well, hi, and welcome back to this week's uh, Pastors Podcast. I am Bob, joined with Matt and Todd, and uh, we are coming to you from Maranatha Bible Church, located in Comstock Park, Michigan, just outside of Grand Rapids. And we have had uh, the last couple of weeks off to enjoy some Christmas time, uh, some New Year time, and now we are getting right back into the saddle. And uh, so we are continuing our series uh, through Hebrews 12, uh, or, or looking at Hebrews 12, uh, common issues which plague every believer. Um, just to kind of give a brief um, summary of, of what we're talking about here, it's the sin and the weight which ensnares us so we can, uh, hopefully as we're going through these, you know, we take a look at our own life and uh, you know we get rid of these things so we can continue to run with uh, endurance, uh, the life of sanctification being progressively made more into the image of Christ, right? Uh, and so this week, as we're coming back, we thought, hey, why not start with judgmentalism? Something small. <laughs> Something small and light. Uh, and I think it's, uh, you know, in Jerry Bridges' book, he talks about this, and I, and I like what he says. He says, this is acceptable and he said it's also subtle because we often call it being zealous for what is right. So kind of what has happened within Christianity or mainstream church, we've taken these these concepts and these ideas and we've relabeled them for the purpose of being able to do them, but doing them with a clear conscience. Uh, and so, you you know, take the extremes, right, committing adultery. We no longer say adultery. We say, you know, he's stepping out on his wife or extramarital affairs or something like that. And so the same thing with this. We would say, no, this individual is just zealous for what is right. But meanwhile, um, they're actually being very judgmental, which the Bible would condemn as sinful, right? Um, so let's define it. Let's define what judgmentalism is. So somebody comes up to you and you say, Pastor, I'm struggling. I think I'm, I'm being judgmental. How would you help this individual? How would you, how would you firstly define judgmentalism? Sorry. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, we think of multiple opinions coming together, and it's really the, the clash of these opinions, how we're uh, treating one another in the midst of, of differing opinions. Um, where, you know, if I'm coming to Todd and our opinions differ on a subject, but if I'm being critical uh, toward, toward Todd for, for his differing opinion, that, that's where you would get into that idea of being judgmental. You have, you have judgment, which is just forming an opinion based on uh, evidence, perceived evidence, but then the idea of uh, becoming judgmental is the, that critical nature when you come up against a differing opinion. Yeah, we would call it unjust criticism or hypocritical judgmentalism or the word that was often used. It's an old word. We don't use it much anymore, but it's the word censorious. <laughs> so uh, a censorious spirit is someone who judges the minor faults of someone while at the same time minimizing their major faults. So mm. it's the person who can see sin in other people very easily but not see it in themselves. And this is the, the, the hypocritically judgmental uh, person. They can see other people's motives. They, they question their motives. They confront them on secondary issues rather than primary issues. And it seems like this person actually gets some joy and satisfaction mm. out of pointing out other people's faults. Uh, they might even think they have the spiritual gift of fault finding and they think they're God's gift to the church and other people to show them where 
they're wrong. Here's a quote by Kent Hughes. He says, the critical spirit is like the carrion fly that buzzes with a sickening hum of satisfaction over sores, preferring corruption to health. Hmm. So that's a beautiful picture. Not really, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an accurate picture yes, of yeah. what this kind of person is like. And so you can imagine this fly flying over the open sores and wounds of something, and they're being attracted to this. This is what the unjust uh, critical person is like. They're drawn to people's faults, and they take it upon themselves to point those faults out to other people. Yeah, and that's really helpful, uh, especially the fly metaphor yeah. picture you gave us, beautiful. the illustration. Yes. Yeah, the beautiful illustration. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also important to understand, too, as you were saying, that you know people become very dogmatic in their opinions, and they actually elevate their opinions to what they consider to be fact. Uh, and, and Matt, what you said, that perceived information or perceived facts. So somebody's gathered all the facts. And what I oftentimes find is they've gathered the facts from like-minded people. Mm -hmm. So they actually haven't went out and critically looked at any of these things, but they said, look, these 10 people agree with me and that's exactly how we feel. And so now you're obviously wrong because me and my friends think that you're wrong. And there's no actual foundation for it, but we've elevated our opinion. That so what's higher. the standard in the person who's critically judgmental? The standard is their own standard, their own belief, their own opinion. Exactly. And that's mm -hmm. what we're getting at is we need to make sure that um, we're, we're not basing fact and truth on our own opinion, but we have to have some sort of standard, and that's what we're going to be getting at uh, as we as we go through here. So, and this, you know, we'll talk about this in a moment. Um, but the world will often say things like "You can't judge me" or "Don't judge me" or "Didn't Jesus say not to judge?" Right? So that's typically the response, or you know, you hear within the church, only God can judge me. It doesn't matter what you say, right? So we'll talk about all of that, but that's kind of how the world responds. Um, and so we want to look at the dangers of this. Now, there there are a lot of dangers that come from judgmentalism. Um, especially, you know, you look into your heart, like unforgiveness and bitterness and these kind of things, which we've already talked about. Uh, but two of the big ones that at least stuck out to me was first when we have doctrinal judgmentalism. And so doctrinal judgmentalism, when we say, you, we, we essentially have the triage of, of, uh, of doctrine. We have our essentials, right? And then we mm -hmm. have our, our non-essentials. And then our non-essentials can be kind of grouped into two different categories. <laughs> Those that we would say, hey, we, we can still have fellowship um, and, and it's okay. And then the next one is like, well, we probably not going to have fellowship. We still consider your brother, but we're probably not going to have that sweet time of fellowship as we would if, if we did agree on these things. So let's talk about that for a moment. What are some of the doctrinal, um, what, what's some of the dangers of doctrinal judgmentalism that we can fall into? Well, I think uh, first off, it's uh, wrongly classifying certain doctrines into higher tiers than they belong. So you had, you had talked about kind of the first tier, second tier, mm. third tier issues, where if every single doctrinal disagreement is a first tier issue, or if you don't believe exactly what I believe, then you're probably not even saved. Right, right. Uh, that's, that's where it gets into dangerous, dangerous waters. And then even when we talk about those first tier issues, how are we addressing those mm. uh, with people? Are, are, we, are we attacking someone mm. or are we standing firm in the truth? And I think there's a fine line between that where you know, we don't want to give ground on those first tier issues, but the, what, what's the, the, the motive and the heart and the, the means by which we're standing firm? Um, so I think it can come in those two ways. It may be helpful to give some examples of mm. those different tiers. So when we think about tier one issues, we're talking about doctrinal issues that we have to agree on 
to be saved. Right. It's just saying what the scripture says about if you have to believe these things in order to be a true believer. So the deity of Christ, the exclusivity of Christ, the resurrection, uh, these are things that a person has to believe in order to be saved. And and to disagree with someone on that is not being critically judgmental. Mm-hmm. That's being discerning, right? And so we have to discern between what does discernment look like and what does sinful judgmentalism look like. So it's right. not wrong to take a stand on those tier one issues. Mm-hmm. That's being fact, faithful. We should. we should take a stand mm-hmm. on those things. We should be faithful to Scripture. And then tier two issues would be, as you were saying, Bob, issues that maybe we don't agree on, but we can still consider each other brothers and sisters in the Lord, um, but we may not be able to fellowship together in the same church because then it begins to affect our, our practice. So right. an example yeah. might be baptism. You know, we would hold here at Maranatha to credo baptism and um, baptism for believers. Uh, there are fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord who are pedo-baptist, and in many cases they're, they're saved and, and we care for them and they care for us and we preach the same gospel, but we can't be in the same church Mm -hmm. because we're not going to be able to agree on those practices. The tier three issues would be issues where perhaps this judgmentalism can easily come into play. Mm -hmm. So issues like the timing of the rapture, you know, well, we know that there is a rapture, but Mm -hmm. uh, when is it? Is it pre-trib? Is it mid-trib? Is it post-trib? For a person to say, you're all heretics, if you don't believe in a pre-trib rapture, right. that would be a judgmental attitude and a critical spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's getting at what, what we're trying to address here, that we have to be careful that we triage theological issues and make sure we're taking stands on the proper ones uh, and being faithful to the other ones. It doesn't mean we, we capitulate and don't mm-hmm. be faithful on the other ones, right. but we don't divide um, fellowship with some brothers and sisters in Christ over some of those more minor issues. Yeah, I think it's very helpful, too, because uh, what I've often found is people like to take especially Tier 3 doctrines and bring them up to a Tier 1, even if just by implication, you know, you think of, like, the new heavens and the new earth, like, what's it going to be like? And, you know, or they talk about, like, the spiritual world, or they talk about even uh, even uh, death and burial, like, should a Christian be uh, cremated, or should they be buried, or should there be a tomb that they go into? Should they go under the ground? Do they need to be buried with their families? And, you know, all of these things where the Bible's fairly silent, if not completely silent, on most of those issues. And yet we elevate these things to say, hey, if you are a real believer, here's what you're going to follow. You think about wearing pants to church, you know, like jeans or shorts or dress pants or a skirt where you're hard-pressed to find uh, much to do about that in Scripture, but yet we will say, hey, if you really revere God, you're in a three-piece suit. If you don't revere God, obviously it shows because you're <laughs> not wearing the proper attire. And so, so now, now you're actually into gray areas. Right. Now you're mm-hmm. not even into specific doctrinal areas. You're into right. areas that are preferential in Christian mm-hmm. liberties, and that's another area where all of these uh, opportunities to become judgmental creep in. Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, it's just the idea of taking subjective opinions and then turning them in your own mind into objective principles by which you're going to hold others to. And essentially, your your, define, your definition of what a believer is is more strict than what Scripture's definition right. of what a believer is. <laughs> right. Yeah, because you think even those who say, hey, you have to sing hymns, you have to use organs, because that's the only proper way to worship God. And you go all the way back to... You know, the Apostle Paul in the first few hundred years of the church, like, I don't think they had Isaac Watts hymns. I don't think Paul was singing those. I don't think he was singing them, 
you know, with a hem or with a with an organ either, right? And so I think we have to be very careful when we start saying, here's how you have to do things in order to be a true believer, as you said, unless we're looking at what the Bible says specifically about salvation, your soteriology has to line up because mm -hmm. we would say, look, you're, you know, the Mormons may call themselves Christians, but they're not because of salvation. Catholics may call themselves Christians, but they're not because they believe in a different way to salvation where we would say, hey, here's what the Bible says. Yeah, so play that out a little <clears> bit. <throat> We're talking about some of the dangers of being judgmental. So here's what happens in scenarios like this. Uh, we become so tight and so... Um, based on our standard that the people we fellowship with become very, very, very small. Right. And in the process of that, you actually end up hurting people. Yeah. You end up hurting the body of Christ. And people that you should be in fellowship with, now you cut them out of your life. Now you, um, you reject them. Now there's an issue between you and that brother or sister in Christ because of the spirit of judgmentalism that hinders the fellowship and destroys relationships. And, and so that's why it just takes such great wisdom and discernment to know how to navigate this issue because what's at stake in many cases is the unity mm. of the body of Christ, mm. and that's critical. Mm -hmm. So uh, talking about dangers, that's what we're concerned about mm -hmm. is when um, brothers and sisters in Christ get hurt uh, because of this standard that has been erected outside of God's word. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and I think the, so. The second thing. So the first one we have to make sure is doctrine. You have to be able to categorize your doctrine because if everything's a tier one, then nothing's a tier one, right. right? And so you have to be able to say this one. I'm dying on the hill. Like there is a hill, and you need to die on it. But I don't think the hill is as broad as what many people think that it is, right? Um, and so, secondly, it it tends to foster uh, when we when we uh, have this judgmentalism and this critical spirit is what comes out. And you, this is this is a little bit harder because a lot of times this is that guy who who we tend to say, hey, he's just real zealous. He wants to keep the church pure, and we'll we'll just look at specifically the church, not looking at the world. Um, and you find that these people are just continually judgmental all the time. And uh, every there's something wrong with everything. Oh, can you believe the message today went 55 minutes? Oh, man, I was hoping to get out of here early. Oh, can you believe that they put these chairs over there? Oh, can you believe that the worship team, they actually played two songs instead of three? I guess we're not going to be a spiritual church anymore. You know, And so it's just that person that there's always something that's wrong, and they're just cultivating that continually cultivating the the fault and they're just always looking at that and and it's it, there's never a there's always a gray cloud there's never a silver lining uh, there's always a black sky there's never a blue sky with a beautiful sunshine and it's just this continual nitpicking at everything mm. right yeah. um, and so how would you help that person or maybe if somebody's coming and they're they're acting this way how would you help somebody interact with that person well, I mean, this is kind of the, the the outflow of the first part we talked about is first being able to understand what are those hills that we need to die on. But then uh, really now you're getting into the relational aspect of the body. And mm -hmm. I mean, you can you can just see all throughout the epistles, what's the one thing that they keep hammering on is unity, humility, dying to self, um, holding your preferences with an open hand. Uh, I mean, the, these are the scriptures that we need to be taking people to to show that you know, if if there's not a doctrinal issue here, our our greatest concern needs to be the unity of the body, and we need to be doing whatever it takes. I mean, holding 
obviously holding to the truth of Scripture, uh, to be to be promoting that unity, um, even in areas where we disagree. Um, you know, I think of you know, Second Timothy two, um, and this is even uh, in areas you know perhaps where there's opposition, you know, where where people are maybe, maybe not even believers, um, but just I, I love the. The, the way that he talks about this, Paul to Timothy in verse 24 of chapter 2, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. Um, and, and I love the, the the reason behind that is, you know, and really the way that he views those who are in opposition, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. So even in those issues, these, these bigger issues, our greatest desire should should be not to win an argument, but to win a person, to see someone come mm. to repentance. And then in these minor issues is to say, you know, I want to do whatever is possible to preserve the unity mm. of the body. Yeah, so it's, what's at stake here is is the, the person's pride or humility, yeah. right? So are they trying to be right or are they trying to be righteous? Mm. Is the goal to be a godly person or is the goal to come out on top and be right? Mm. And... Really, at the end of the day, it's not the issue of being right. It's the issue of love and care and tenderness towards other believers. Um, and so I think what's lacking in the person who is hypocritically judgmental is a sensitivity and a patience with others. You know, I was just reading recently a, a little handbook on pastors, and uh, there's a little section on some of the pitfalls of young pastors. And the first one or the second one maybe was this whole attitude of zeal, mm -hmm. you know, zeal without patience, zeal without knowledge, just zeal ready to go, you know, storm the gates. And what happens? You end up running over people and hurting people in the process because we have to be right. I'm going to fix this or solve this or be, be right. And so the issue is, uh, is the person's heart, I think. Mm. And that's the danger is what's driving a critical spirit oftentimes is pride and a desire just to win the argument or be right, as you said, which is the danger. Yeah, and we need to, you know, and, and I think it's it's key that as a body of believers, we need to uh, be able to exhort and encourage each other when we hear that. And just be able to say, hey, you know, I, I understand that maybe your, your preferences were taken back or maybe you would have done it a different way, but what was wrong with the way that this happened? What was wrong with the way that this goes? And, and I find, you know, nine times out of 10, it's just simply a matter of, I would have done it this way. Somebody else did it this way. My way is not right or wrong and their way is not right or wrong. It's just a preference of doing it. And the wonderful thing is, is once you, once you can take a step back and as you say, you can humble yourself, you actually get freedom from that mm. because now you're no longer in bondage to this critical spirit that you're looking out for everything and you're saying, oh, there's, you know, that's wrong over there and that's wrong over there. And if you continue down that path, there is only going to be disunity. There's there, no one's going to be united. And if you are united with a critical spirit, you're only united with somebody else who has a critical <laughs> spirit. And so there's really not a whole lot of fellowship. So right. imagine your fellowship's just around being critical and, and having that spirit amongst you. So, yeah, I, I would certainly encourage anyone hearing that just to say, hey, brother, you know, hey, sister, come alongside each other and say, hey, let's, let's uh, parse this out. And let's see if there's something that's spiritually or doctrinally wrong or if mm -hmm. it's just preferential in yeah. this area. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, but we are to be judgmental. 
<laughs> we are to judge. So unlike what the world would say, you can't judge me or only God can judge me in these things, we are, as believers, uh, we are to make, everybody makes judgments on a daily basis. Right. It is impossible to live. Even if you lay in your bed all day, guess what? You have judged that it's better to lay in your bed all day than what it is to get up, uh, which... Sounds really nice. It sounds really nice at times, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, so we all make judgments. Uh, and so first of all, let's look at Matthew 7, first two verses there. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. And then Jesus says, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And so let's unpack that. Um, what is Jesus talking about here? Because he does say, do not judge so that or for the purpose that you will not be judged. But then he says, for in the way you judge, so then it's almost like, okay, here's how judgment works, right? It kind of explains it a little bit. So why don't you unpack that a little bit? Well, <clears throat> this is next to John 3.16. <laughs> this is probably the most well-known two verses in the Bible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows these are two verses, even yeah. unbelievers. People outside the church know these verses because... They don't want to be judged. They don't want to be told they're doing something Staking wrong. Staking their life on it. Yeah, <laughs> I, exactly. And so uh, this is probably the, the, the verses that everyone loves who's not truly a believer, who's not really being sanctified, because it seems like on the surface it's rejecting or ruling out all kinds of judgmentalism. Hmm. And so many times this verse is quoted as, hey, don't tell me I'm doing something wrong. Don't confront me in my sin. Don't tell me I'm doing something that you don't like. Don't tell me I'm doing something against God's word. That's hypocritical or, or that's judgmental. Don't tell me those things. And so today in this uh, culture of intolerance, this is the primary, mm. you know, uh, uh, thing that our, our society holds like up. The trump card. The trump yeah. card. Don't <clears throat> judge me. Don't tell me I'm doing something wrong. In this age of tolerance, you know, it's intolerant to tell someone that they're doing something wrong. So that's what the, this verse is perceived to be, but that's not at all what he's talking about. He's yeah. talking to Pharisees or about Pharisees and Sadducees and the Jewish leaders and their spirit of hypocritical judgmentalism. Mm. So doing what we've been talking about, this, this tendency to look down on others and to erect a human standard, which is what the Pharisees had done. They had established this whole Pharisaical system of righteousness, and they were looking down on anyone who wasn't upholding their system. So that's what he's addressing here. That's what he's confronting is not judgmentalism, but hypocritical judgmentalism. Yeah, that's good. I think we have to remember like that even after these two verses, the next 10 or so verses that Jesus goes into how then you are to judge. The rest of the chapter. <laughs> the whole, yeah, the whole rest of the time. Yeah, like, exactly. Here's actually how you do it, right? And, uh, and so, yeah, we have to make sure that we're not allowing the world to dictate what we believe about Scripture right. because they're not saved and they're just trying to get their get-out-of-jail-free card by saying, look, you're not to judge anybody. And we shouldn't uh, step back and be like, oh, you know what? You're right. The Bible does say that. We need to read the Bible, understand what it says in the context, and then be able to... Uh, have a conversation to say, hey, I understand what you're saying, but let me tell you what Jesus actually meant to right. you. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, verse 2 is really critical here. Jesus is saying in the same way that you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. So what he's saying is if you're going to be hypocritically judgmental towards people, guess what? That same standard is going to be applied to you one day. Right. So it's a boomerang effect where if you if you treat people with a spirit of censoriousness, then that's going to come back on you. 
true. I just think of even of uh, the previous chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. If you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive men, your Father uh, will not forgive you. What he's saying there, he's, whatever standard you apply to others is going to be mm -hmm. applied to you. That's right. And that's what he's confronting and that's what he's dealing with. All right, then he uses the illustration, you know, first look to yourself. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, just only look to yourself, don't worry about others. No, verse 5 says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So there's the assumption that we need to still do that, right? but looking first to ourselves so we're not doing so hypocritically. Exactly. That's right. And then going back to a little bit about uh, about what you said, Todd, at, uh, you know, with the gray areas going to Romans 14. And I, and I like what Paul says here. Now, except the one in Romans 14.1, except the one who is weak in their faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions, right? And so as I'm sitting there eating a big rack of pork ribs and Matt comes walking by, you know, he can't pass judgment on me, right? No, but he's going to want the ribs. He's <laughs> if you didn't share, that'd be another story. Right. Well, that's my opinion is not to share, right? So, but, uh, so I think it's important that, as he's saying here, you know, there is liberty in our faith. And we can't look down upon the other person, especially for those opinions, when we start looking at the, the vastness of gray areas within the Bible and the liberty that we have as believers. Like if it's not sin in the Bible, we're not commanded to do it or to not do it, uh, we have to be able to not look down on people uh, for the opinion and passing that judgment. Because then, you know, I think we oftentimes forget the point that you made. Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees there. And he's saying, look, you're telling them to have this huge standard that you yourself aren't even attaining, which then he goes into, you know, explain to them how they weren't even attaining their own standard. Right. And he's like, now you are going to be judged by the standard that you brought up, which you can't even take. Right. And that's the same thing to us. If we're putting a standard on people that we ourselves can't even take, then we're no better than the Pharisees that Jesus was rebuking. Which is why Jesus in verse 5 says, first take the log out of your own eye then you will be able to see clearly enough to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So he's not saying don't judge people, don't mm -hmm. address sin in people's life. No, we need to do that. But we can't do that until we've addressed the hypocritical spirit within us, or That's critical right. spirit within us first. So there is an appropriate place for that. Even 1 Corinthians 5, 12, which you have here, uh, for what do I have to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? We don't, people don't like that. People don't like that verse. <laughs> we, we don't hold unbelievers to the standard of God's Word, but right. we do hold believers to the standard of God's mm -hmm. Word. So there is an appropriate judgmentalism where we lovingly confront those who name the name of Christ, and that is an appropriate judgment. We call sin out because we want to be holy. Right. So that's what he's getting at. He's not saying we shouldn't judge others at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because in all of Matthew 18, we would have to take out if the church wasn't there to judge others within the church. So, and we are to we are to judge between the believers and the non-believers. And kind of as we close here, you know, Matthew or First uh, Corinthians five, as he's saying there, and Paul says, "But I actually wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother." So, someone who is saying themselves, uh, telling uh, the world that they're a believer, but then it says, "If he is immoral, covetous, idolater, reviler, drunkard, swindler." Don't even eat with this one, right? And he says, for what do I have to do judging the outsiders? Meaning, it's like a rhetorical question. He's like, I don't judge the outsiders because they're living their life according to the flesh. And he says, but we are to judge those who are within the church. God is judging those who are outside. Mm -hmm. And so we need to make sure that our judgment is being informed, our, our conscience is being informed by Scripture so that we're able to do that to God's standard. Yeah, I like... Um Galatians 6.1, so it says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, which there you're 
you're seeing that they are in sin, you're making a judgment then that they are going against the going against the word of God and how they're to be living. You who are spiritual or mature, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So I love that verse because it shows the goal and the means by which we get there. Um, so we're not just calling them onto the carpet, you know, just to tear them down and say, I can't believe you've done all this. No, our heart should be to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. And again, each one looking to yourself so that you two will not be tempted. So again, reminding us to not be hypocritical in that. That's good. Yeah, it's amazing how, how many times they say go to a brother, but then there's also that make sure you yourself are taken care of. <laughs> yeah. So that way we're not going with our high standards setting the Bible aside. Right. So, well, guys, I hope that was helpful. I'm talking about judgmentalism. I hope that you judge that uh, worthy. Huh? <laughs> and uh, we look forward to continuing this over the course of the next couple of weeks. I uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you later.